What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of The Sheehan Show here on Shardog.com. And I am delighted today to be joined by uh, my good colleague, uh, Irish MMA journalist and worldwide MMA journalist, uh, Ian O'Neill, to uh, talk about the one on Prime Video 5 card. Renee de Ritter stepping up um, to take on Anatoly Malyakin in a pretty good card from top to bottom. The debut of Roberto Saldic and uh, lots more on the card as well. Ian, how are you? I know we, we've talked before about these uh, one championship cards. I've had you on the uh, on the podcast to talk about them, and I feel like I feel like we're both kind of of the same mind. We like the little the mix of of the Muay Thai, the mix of the grappling, the mix of the the MMA as well, especially. But I want I always try to start off these podcasts with like the differences between one championship and not not even just one championship but the differences between say like what PFL do differently to the UFC and what one championship do differently to the UFC or to, to PFL or to Bellator as someone who's been watching a lot of these one championship cards as well like how refreshing is it for you because I, I, I often say and I feel like sometimes I'm being like oh I watch championship are great they do nothing wrong when I start off these cards no, that's not always the case but it's it's just a little bit refreshing to see it yeah. something a little bit different, isn't it? I was even on the, the 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 other podcast from this week. I was talking about the the referees and they stand up the fights a little bit quicker and the yellow cards and things. Even if we don't love all the rules, I feel like a little bit something a little bit different in MMA is great. Do you like that as well? Yeah, I do like it. And look, to me, it's about look at whatever they have going on with the yellow cards, with the the different rules and the different judges, but it's the end result for me. It's how do you feel after watching a one card? And I always feel really good and really satisfied and really entertained after watching them. Like, you know, so, and I think in 2022 has been a real big year for, for one championships. It's been a really successful year. Obviously the, the Amazon deal was brilliant for them, but they put on some fantastic fights. And, you know, you think outside of mixed martial arts as well, Sean, you know, they're given a platform to some of the best grapplers in the world, some of the best kickboxers in the world and some of the best fighters in the world so you know it's a real credit what they're doing um, and on top of everything else upon some fantastic entertaining MMA fights and and look at this card was 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 entertaining as well was it the card of the year probably not but I mean I still think that there was plenty of talking points plenty of entertaining and, and plenty of stories that came out of this one as well on Friday night yeah, I, I suppose we'll, we'll get into the card as well but it kind of shows you that in this main event the weight movements as well and they, they really try to create history we've seen it with Angelili in the past and not even too far in the past and we've seen it with Christian Lee and with others Demetrius Shanson to move him up and down weights they have you know the fun fights like Demetrius fighting uh, against Rod Tang in the half MMA half might I think and we've another one coming up as well in in the in the new in the new year uh, Sam Fairtex is fighting one of them as well isn't he so that that should be fun as well and do you know what I, I, I before you know I was kind of like anti-gimmicks I think maybe and I'm not sure this is necessarily a gimmick but I think I kind of I've covered the PFL I kind of fell in love with their format a little bit I enjoyed I know you've enjoyed it a lot longer than me and I think a one championship it's the same like I like a bit of the Muay Thai and I like a bit of the, the grappling I know you're going to run us through the, the, the Muay Thai and the grappling that, that happened here and, and these cards today because you've been obviously following that a lot longer than me as well but it's I, I just enjoy it I do enjoy it let's, let's start with the main event though and let's, let's talk about it uh, Anatoly Malyakin against uh, Rene de Ritter 
Uh, honestly, I didn't think Malyakin would have this half as easy as he had it. I gave the reader as one of my bets for the week. I thought he was going to do well, and it just didn't turn out that way. Like, the reader does what he always tries to do. He immediately got into the action, but he could not get that takedown. And then from there, Malyakin just landed, started landing stiff right hand after stiff right hand. And I don't know about you, Ian, but like... I thought the Ritter turned into a kind of a panic fighter at that stage. He was like panic 100%. jabbing. Like he, he to me, he kind of quick, quickly realized he couldn't win. And he was, he was trying to convince himself by throwing a few jabs. But then that big right hand came and the big, the big hammer fist coffinel came. And there was no convincing yourself after that. It was a great performance from Malyakin. But like, I was kind of surprised and kind of shocked by someone. Okay, he was undefeated. So maybe we, we shouldn't be too shocked. But... By someone who'd like, who was so quickly kind of beaten, uh, that that was the the kind of the big takeaway for me. What, what way did you see it? it? That yeah, pretty much that. And look at my notes here, and my first note was Malakin is an animal. It was complete domination here, and and you know what, the Raiders' striking got a little bit exposed in this fight, and we could see at the start of the fight when the Ritter tried to kind of close the distance. Um, you know, he, he'll close into the clinch position, try and get an inside trip, try and get an outside trip. But Malakin was just too strong. He was too powerful. And like you said, you could see the shift of emotion in the Ritter in, inside in the cage when he couldn't get the fight down where he was like, oh my God, I haven't prepared for this. He's stopping the takedowns. He's landing big shots. And like you said, it was complete panic. And I, I just think, you know, the Ritter has been a fantastic champion. Um two-time champion at middleweight and obviously light heavyweight as well. And I think, you know, he needed something like this to kind of realize that, you know, plan A isn't always going to work. And we've we've talked about that time and time again. At the very top of mixed martial arts, you need more than just the plan A. You need a plan B. You need a plan C. Look, at I was interested with Malikin's kind of move down to see what energy but he, energy would have maybe going into the later rounds, how much the grappling exchanges would affect his cardio. But none of that was a problem. He he just looked like a man that was was refusing to lose that night. He looked like he looked in phenomenal shape uh, coming in, like absolutely ripped. Um, I thought he suited the way quite well. Um, obviously coming in as the interim heavyweight champion, um, it was going to be interesting to see. For me, that was the biggest question hanging over his head. Obviously, his power was going to carry down, but was he going to be able to stay doing that? But he didn't even get let it get past round one. It was just a complete and utter destruction. And Malikin was having he's after having a serious year and he's not going to be easy to be a heavyweight or at light heavyweight. And he's also talking about moving down to middleweight as well. I don't know whether he's going to have to go off a leg or something, I think, to get down to that way. I'm not quite sure how he'll manage that. But really, you know, the Ritter will be back. He will respond. But this was a real a real eye-opening moment for him because there was a stage where you could feel, like visibly see he was like a rabbit stuck in headlights where he did not really know what to do, did not know where to go, and ultimately ended up getting brutally knocked out as a result. Yeah, I, I think the the two points you made there about like the striking being exposed and the fact that he didn't have a plan B is like, geez, that's an awful bad thing to say about a fighter. Like, but it's 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 true. And sometimes we saw look, we saw with Kelly Harrison last week. Sometimes when you are undefeated, 
you haven't been exposed. I, I, I someone actually commented to me uh, uh, this week. The word exposed, I like to use it a little bit differently. And like the horse racing parlance, I think more than the the MMA fan parlance. And someone corrected me this week. It's like when they do something over and over and over again, and then that's what exposed and horse race, racing truly means. Now, I know is that as applicable to MMA? To be honest, because if that that is the case, they're probably gone and we won't see them anymore. But like the Ritter in this fight. Like if you're talking about Maliak and going down the west to to chase uh, the Raiders belt down there, that that's not that's not going to go well for him because like uh, as you said like like he he's stri- he had a big issue with the striking right and that's the first things first. He has been working a lot on his striking. They always say in the commentary he's been over in Holland, you know, working with strikers. Now we know how good his wrestling has been, but like if he's been doing that for the last couple of years, and there's absolutely nothing you can do to even avoid it. And like, it's not like Maliakam has gone in there, gone full wonder by throwing wheel kicks and kicks to deliver anything. He's basically throwing the right hand down through the middle and he couldn't deal with it. That's a very That's worrying it. thing. Very worrying. And when your wrestling is not strong enough to beat someone like that, like Maliakam, uh, it was a stupid pick by me, honestly, to give the Ritter because Maliakam has the wrestling and he had the striking over him. It's a I, I, I was the same opinion of you though Sean I mean yeah. I fancied the Ritter to kind of get the, the fight down and I kind of fancied him to kind of dominate those grappling exchanges where Malakin would have been probably trying to defend to get back up and I, I saw that if if uh, if I was the Ritter's team what I would have liked to have done is kind of initiate those grappling exchanges make Malakin work bring him into later rounds and then just grind on him and I, I guess that was probably the game plan but we could see in the first initial clinch you know when Rainier the Ritter separated from that there was a different look on his face where he was like oh this guy is actually very powerful and very strong and it, this is not going to be easy to get down and then when you get hit with a strike with the power of a guy like Malakin that can change your whole way of thinking. And I just, unfortunately for the Ritter, all of that stuff unfolded in front of the live audience, in front of the live crowd as well. You know, sometimes you figure out that stuff in the training room. Sometimes you're just unfortunate enough to have to figure it out when you're undefeated, when you're confident and you just come up against a guy who's just refusing to be beaten and just is a horrible matchup for you. And unfortunately, the Ritter came across all of those problems on Friday night and it'll be interesting to see how he comes back like his confidence uh, this was a this was a fight based off confidence levels and both guys were confident and I'd say the Ritter was kind of up here and then after the first initial clinch exchange it might have been evened off a bit and then he got cracked into the face and then his confidence went down and Malikins went back up and I think he just kind of folded and was just clipped and it was like he probably knew within 30 or 40 seconds that this fight was going to be so difficult inside of a, a minute that he was probably going to lose. And that is a horrible situation to be in when you're inside the cage. Yeah, you hear Chelsea has talked about that a few times. Like, people know when they're beat. Like, and it's, that must be such a hard thing to know that so early. I like, as I said at the start of this, you could see him trying to kind of convince himself that he wasn't beat. But when that right hand came at the end, there was, there was no more you could do after that. But look, credit it's to Malia. Scary, Sean. Look at yeah. I, I, I've been in that position before inside the cage where you know you get an idea before the fight goes, and it's a scary position to be in because like, you're you're pretty much in survival mode, and you're doing anything to try and not get knocked out. But that's 
not what you need to be doing in there. That's definitely going to lead for you to get knocked out when you're panicking, when you're turning, you're just not there. Your confidence is shot. It's just a horrible situation. But look at the Ritter. He's been a fantastic champion. He's still the middleweight champion and he has still an exciting future, but it's back to the drawing board for him and he's going to have to bring a new game because this allure, this mystique around him is now gone. It's it's completely gone. And and Malikin is now the guy in light heavyweight division and heavyweight and if if he wants to try and come become the middleweight champion too, fair play to him. I would fancy him in that fight as well if he could make the weight. Yeah, indeed. And it's now as well. It's not only he lost his fight for the Ritter. It's that people find him in the future. Before it would have been like, oh, how are we going to stop his wrestling? So, well, if we stop his wrestling, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's kind of changing attitude, which is going to be tough. But I'm uh, looking forward to seeing what they what they do, both do next. Uh, before we get to, to Roberto Saldes, just just talk quickly about the the Riotolo brothers, um, Tyne and Kara Bora on this, I suppose, differing sort of uh, grappling fest they have there. The uh, Kedriatolo fight, uh, or uh, whatever you call it, match against uh, Gabriel was a bit of a scrappy one. As, as I kind of went through it here, I would say there was a lot of like standing up and trying to get in and not much happening. And then the, the tie one was a little bit more exciting, obviously finished uh, in the wrist lock. I don't, I, I don't know how much you know about these two boys, but uh, I've watched, uh, I think, two or three of, of uh, Kedriatolo's matches now. Um and I suppose this, these two are kind of what you get from grappling. Sometimes one is really good, one is really exciting, and the other one's like, you know, it's it's entertaining, but it's like, uh, when's this going to end? We know who's going to win. Yeah, yeah, it's one hundred percent. Like, I mean, look at the Rotolio brothers are phenoms in the grappling world. You know, they're 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 young kind of promising grapplers and it's great to see them getting this kind of opportunity as well to to kind of piggyback. Obviously. Um, with Cade's fight, he um, he got the draw and it kind of feels a little bit anticlimactic, really, at the end of the day, um, where you're like, ah, there was no clear winner, but you have to beat the champion to become the champion. Whereas that I'd like maybe, you know, that Eddie Bravo invitational rule, maybe where you have a, maybe an overtime round or something where you have to kind of escape a submission or put on a submission. Um, but like the Rotolia brothers, they're fun to watch. He came close with a couple of knee bars, but it was a pretty even contest overall. And I think that, uh, you know, a guy like Mateus Gabriel is, is, is going to be happy that he lasted 10 minutes with a guy like Cade Rotolio. But, and I think, that's the unfortunate thing. And I guess maybe to be a small bit negative about the grappling thing is that you kind of get no closure on most of those fights. And it kind of takes away from the grappling sometimes when we don't get that finish. But like, for, I'm delighted to see guys like Cade Rotolio and other, there's lots of different grappling and phenoms that have taken part in one championships this year. The fact that they're getting that opportunity, um, they're getting the kind of the money and the chance to get bonuses as well is, is a great thing. But I mean, when we go to draws, when when we do, it kind of feels a little bit anticlimactic. But nonetheless, not taken away from any of the skill set from Cade Rotolio or Mateus Gabriel as well. So I think they're both fantastic grapplers. And look, at, we'll probably see that 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 match again sometime down the line. What do you think of the, the Taiwan? He was against uh, Gufarov, who's been around for a, a long time, and he ended up getting the uh, the win as well. With a, is it a wrist lock he got he got in the end? Um, yeah, yeah. It, that was that was. Uh, 
like sometimes there, there seems to be a lot of like the the Russian maybe sambo artists got in there against the um, the jiu-jitsu guys and I feel like that kind of plays into getting the jiu-jitsu guys maybe wins a little bit and maybe it did it here it does it yeah. does it does and we've seen that quite a few times now this year in one championships as well and where where you know that straight Brazilian jiu-jitsu um, and the Brazilian jiu-jitsu wrestling that the Rotolio brothers bring in it seems to kind of go quite well against any Sambo combat athlete that's coming in from Russia. And I think that tie did very well. Just kind of, it was in getting control straight away and working for that wrist lock. And he got it done in, in just over five minutes. And um, yeah, I think it was a, a fantastic performance for him as well. And and look, at, it's a great story. Uh, the two Rotolio brothers are doing some great things in the grappling world. They're getting some great exposure at one championship. And they'll have a couple of big years uh, coming up too as well. And it'd be interesting to see maybe if they do kind of make the transition over to, to actual maybe fight. But look, at if you're in there, you're getting the exposure, you're getting finishes, you have a chance to win 50k bonuses why would you go over and get punched in the face? Yeah, very <laughs> I true. know I sure as hell wouldn't. And this art of platform is there. I, I, do you know, I'd be interested to see if they ever put wrestling matches on it, you know, because that's always been the thing with wrestlers. Like, you could get a Jordan Burroughs or, you know, an Indian wrestlers coming through on it. It'd be very, very interesting to see, like, mm-hmm. if you could get that. Like, if they had the possibility of winning a 50,000 bonus as well, it could be a massive thing. So we'll see if that happens. Let's talk about Roberto Soldic and... You know, I feel like we're on championship. Have had no luck with their big signings. You know, Eddie Alvarez got beat. Demetrius came in, and he did well initially, obviously, but he got beat as well, and he came back. So that's been all right. But it feels like the first one or two fights for all their big signings, they've just had absolutely no luck. And do you know that happened for Bellator for a while as well? And it's uh, this this one was probably the worst of all in terms of luck because yeah. it, it, it's just <laughs> dreadfully unlucky. Yeah, dreadfully unlucky. The very start. I mean, of there's not too much. Yeah, if, if people didn't see it, just to quickly run through and I'll throw it over to you. Saldis was kind of picking his shots at the start. Ramazanov was kind of just letting him do that, I would say, a little bit, and then went for the takedown. Did get the takedown, put Saldis on his back, which is like the place you would want to, to have him. Saldis got back up, landed a couple of knees. And then there was a massive knee from Ramazanov. There actually wasn't any great camera angle of it. The first couple, I had to watch it like three times to actually realise what actually happened. But he hit him with a massive knee into the cup. It sounded like it was one of those plastic cups and it like snapped or something. And you could see from like the second it happened that Saldish is like, no, I can't. (laughs) I can't go on here. This is like, no, this is the end of the fight. And maybe like a minute or two minutes later, uh, it didn't. Saldish couldn't continue and it ended in a no contest. Uh, It's a tough one, Ian, isn't it? Jesus, like, wow. Very, very tough. It's like, it's like that's that's what I said my notes are pretty much the same my last note was just a very unfortunate ending not too much you can do in that it's no one's really it's no one's fault we see it happen all the time we see fighters recover from it but sometimes we don't and that's okay too like it's not nice getting a shot to the nuts big stakes in here for Roberto Saldic as well and and Rama look at we I think the killing thing about this fight is that we got late. We got that first like minute of a snippet of how maybe it looks so good as well, didn't it? That first, yes, it was like Ramazanov got the fight down, and it's like that's what you have to do against a guy like Roberto Soldic, you know what I mean? Because Soldic is going to be coming at you with ferocious power, 
and it was interesting kind of to see Roberto Solich get taken down work his way back up and we were just getting to the kind of interesting part again where you know okay you got me down got me back up now what's Solich going to do and then the shot to the nuts happened and it was just all over before it began but I mean that fight was going to have to be made again I'd be looking forward to seeing it again and um, I mean you know I, I I would like to ask a question maybe about this fight. I was talking to our good friend and colleague Sean Denny as well, who was maybe a little bit disappointed with the matchmaking in 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 regards to maybe they could have put Saldich in there with a striker as opposed to a wrestler. Because I'm not kind of of that opinion. I'd like to see him in here getting tested. Like I mean, giving him these walkover fights is not going to do anything for him as a fighter. It's not going to do anything. I think for to build his kind of confidence and going against wrestlers, he's going to have to do it eventually. Uh, I, I thought this was a good matchup um, against a solid undefeated guy as well. And I'd like to see the rematch happening down the line as well. hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. Like you're not signing a young up and comer here. You're not signing like, you know, someone even like say like a cage warriors champion, who's just say like a Paul Hughes or something. Who's only what, 10 fights in or something like that. You're signing Roberto Saldis, who is world championship level. Like he's, uh, you know, he is, he's been a, uh, two different belts in KSW, been around for a good while. You know, he had that cage where he was running. He moved to KSW. And, like, he, he's a guy who, like, I was thinking if he'd gone to the UFC, he could fight someone like a Sean Brady. That's the type of level I'm looking at him at. You're you're not building him up like you build up, you know, a Hughes or Ian Gary or, a, you know, or a Paddy Pimblett. Well, maybe Paddy Pimblett's a little bit different. You know what I mean? He's, I agree with you. He's not one of them. You have to give him... You have to give him like uh, fair enough not putting him into a championship match immediately, but you have to give him like the second, third, fourth, fifth best fighter you have, and that's I think what they did with Ramazan. A very good record, very good fighter. Um, the per- the matchmaking make made perfect sense. You you some look sometimes you have fighters like let's say Wonderboy now even over in the UFC. No problem now. Give Wonderboy strikers for the rest of his career. Forget about the title pitcher, you know. Put him in there and f- with fun matchups. I remember once his Rampage uh, kind of uh, got to that place in his career. It's like, why are you putting him in there with, you know, wrestlers? Give, you know, put him in there with Fabio Maldonado or someone who's got a strike with him. And those fights are going to be better. Not for Saldic at this stage of his career. Saldic is championship material in 2023. Like, you know, he's getting straight in there. And that Ramazana fight was the perfect move for it. You know, it's, it's interesting to see if they will remake it. Um, you know, may, maybe they will, maybe they won't. Like, one championship usually do have things kind of planned out. Who's going to be next? What's going to be next? And it'll be interesting to see if they do remake it or if they just kind of move Saldic on. Uh, I would kind of say they probably have to remake it on. They've, look, they've lots There's of cards. too many questions still there. Like, I mean, yeah. we didn't get to see a true path of the way the fight was going. Like, sometimes, um, for instance, we'll say with... Uh, Leon Edwards versus Bilal Muhammad per se you know we saw Leon Edwards was kind of getting the upper hand in that fight before the eye poke happened so I mean we could kind of like without truly knowing but you could kind of get an idea of the way the fight was going I don't think we got that in Solich and Ramazanov and I think I'd like to see that again just to, to kind of get a clear outcome and who was the better fighter there yeah, 100%. Let's move on. Let's talk about uh, Tynanis, uh, Lone Tynanis against uh, DSP, as they were calling him. Uh, I'll just run through the fight if, if people haven't seen it. So uh, the fight started off with a, a Park head kick, as like he always throws. Park kind of kept touching his leg as if like, oh, you're going to take me down, you're going to take me down. And Lone didn't for like over two minutes, two and a half minutes or something. Um, 
then he got a takedown and it was a pretty easy takedown if we're being honest uh, he was looking for the arm didn't get a ground and pound in uh, didn't look in massive control but he kept managing to keep the position which if anyone has watched Sloan Tynanus that's kind of the way he fights also the best nickname in MMA Tynanosaurus Rex what an absolutely brilliant nickname uh, it's a great nickname round two leg kicks from Park um, it was about 90 seconds before the, the takedown came he didn't get it but he got to the clinch uh, got out to the open again and Tynanus, like Tynanus just doesn't do anything when the fight is standing. He just waits for a takedown. Herbal's warning Park. And I was like, you're warning the wrong lad there. It should be Tynanus you're warning. He did, just was doing nothing. I, and, I don't know. I think poor Herb gets a little bit confused in between the two rule sets. <laughs> yeah. There there's a couple yeah. of occasions there where he could have probably separated action, stood guys up, I think, in the rug rug fight. Oh, that was scandalous. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, 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 we get to that. But, uh, anyway, but Tynanus, Tynanus, the story of the fight for him, Sean, was, yeah. was getting that takedown. It I think was, he yeah. realized early in the fight that he had the, the, the advantage in the grapple department and look at he started off well round one was his most successful round looked full of energy did start to look to slow down in round two a little bit um, and like my note said it too Herb was reffing uh, and not calling for action but he did eventually uh, get them stood up in round two Park uh, landed a kick so well as he did but that just opened up the chance for, for Tyanus to close the distance again get the fight against the cage get the fight down Um and, you know, he was able to secure black control when he got down there, too. And, I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That was the route to victory. That's what he needed to do. Obviously, Herb's responsibility is to try and keep them uh, as active as possible. He, like, based off one championship rules, he could have done maybe a little bit better in that. But um, I think, you know, the story of the fight was the takedown. No idea how this fight was a split decision, to be honest. Oh, was it? I, think I, it I didn't, even, I didn't uh, yeah. even wait for that. I was like, I oh, will just move on to the next one. I was like, that no, some, yeah, one judge gave the fight to Park and I, I just, I don't see it. I don't understand. There's a couple of those scorecards, I think, throughout the night um, that, that are pretty head-scratching. But look, at the winner was Tayanis and the rightful winner was Tayanis. And it was a good performance performance I mean throw him in there with a guy who can defend the takedown next and let's see what happens he'd probably, he'd probably lose if that happens yeah I think him. so <laughs> like you even saw at the end of the, the second round Park got him with a hip toss and took him down as well. so I think that is one of those guys that might uh, mightn't enjoy you end up in his back all the time but as you said yeah, in the third round he had the back for the whole round and it was a, it was a good performance from him there we'll move on and talk about Edward Feilang uh, against uh, against Marquez here this fight to me, Edson Marquez. I, I, you know, I've watched him now a couple of times, and I, I honestly, do you ever? Sometimes you see different sports, different people, and you're not sure how they're so effective. They just, it's like, yeah. Sometimes he throws a nice jab, but like ninety percent of the time, it's like it's this sharp jab, and it's just not doing what you'd expect. And I don't know, like to me, to to kind of go through the fight a little bit. It looked at the very start of this like Feilang had put on a lot of size and it just made him so much slower. And the two of them are just kind of throwing front kicks a lot. You know, Marquez was struggling to land that jab. When he did land, it was very good. But I just, uh, I don't know. It's, I'm not a, ma- a massive fan of it. When Marquez, the one thing he did very well in this fight, he was landing counters. And I thought his hook was better than his jab. That the counter hook was very good. Um, Bob were throwing spinning shots. Feilang was reaching in because of the height. And that was a real issue for him because he kept getting countered when he reached in. Kind of hurt him at the 
in the round one and in round two they were landing he was landing more counters uh, after the, the low kick again um, the short counters were the best shots that uh, Marquez was landing but then the right hand after the clinch came knocked fire lang down and, and kind of finished him like <sighs> I'm not sure if Marquez is good or if this fight made him look good. Like, Firelang definitely looked to me a bit older. He looked a bit bigger. He looked a bit slower. Maybe it's just my bias against Marquez because I don't know. I can't, I can't, just can't see it. It's not that I don't want to see it. But yeah. what did you think of it? I, I, I thought this fight was based off a battle on distance where Marquez was so happy just to fight on the outside, um, get, keep Mar- um, Firelang on the end of his shots. Firelang had the responsibility then to try and get into the inside to land these big heavy shots. Feilang probably had the more power of the two, but was unable to get off his shots. He was unable to get on the inside. You know, anytime he closed the distance, Marquez did so well to initiate the the clinch exchanges, um, separate those exchanges and get off. And that ultimately ended, uh, led to the ending of the fight too, uh, as a shot off the break. But yeah, I, I started this fight where I was like, oh yeah, this Feilang is going to figure him out. And he's probably going to get him out of there. But it actually turned out the other way where Marquez actually ended up figuring out figuring out that he was more capable of, of getting the fight probably finished from the outside. And it was that big right straight right cross that that kind of finished the fight. A good stoppage. Foylang was on skates. But uh, yeah, like I wouldn't be convinced that that someone like Marquez is going to go on to do that great of things in the division, to be honest. And it might be a little bit harsh to say after a win like that, but it's um it was interesting to see it was i think it was the right hand over the top that he was timing Foyalang's jab with and it was just working every single time and i think we saw something uh, similar in the in the amber kitchen fight as well where that that right that jab was being timed over the top and as the fight went on marquez got more uh, confident and kind of pushed the action a little bit more in round two then and and that ultimately led to his finish but look at it he found a way uh, and he found a way before Feuerland could find a way but I think if you're fighting against a guy like Marquez you're going to try and push him on the back foot you're going to try and close the distance and land some big shots in boxing range and I think if uh, you can kind of counteract what he brings to you in the clinch that you're going to cause Marquez problems and uh, I'll be interested to see if they'll match him up with someone who can do that down the line. And just looking at the card here, Marquez, Tynanis, both fought, both same weight class. That kind of yep. makes sense. I think one's 11 and two, one's 11 and one. So I think that makes sense. Let's uh, let's see that happen. You mentioned uh, the kitchen fight there. She beat uh, Jackie uh, Jackie Buntan in, in Muay Thai as well. Oh, what you think of that one? Was that, a, was that an entertaining one or was it one you that was, forget about? That was a good fight that uh, Jackie Buntan actually got the win in that she fight. Did, yeah. um, you know, Amber, Ki- Amber Kitchen came in, you know, highly t- touted UK. Um, Thai boxer, very, very good fighter as well. But um, it was a, this one was a really super technical fight. Um, a lot of feeling out in round one. Uh, every time Bunton got inside, she she landed well and she was causing Amber Kitchen some trouble. Uh, Kitchen was uh, this like the last fight we talked about between uh, Foylang uh, and um, and Marquez. Marquez. Yeah. This was a kind of a battle of distance as well. Whereas that you know. Kitchen was trying to keep Bunton away from her uh, with teeps, with long jabs. Um, Kitchen landed a nice right hand in round one, but it was a very close round. Uh, Bunton came out and landed some big shots at the start of round two. Um, it was the right hand that was landing all, all night for Bunton on Kitchen. Um, 
the start of round three, three bit big left hooks landed in a row. Uh, as this fight was progressing, Kitchen was kind of the, the distance between both fighters was was growing and growing and growing. And Bunton really kind of came into this fight and grew into the fight. And, you know, she carried more power. She used that power well. And she was the rightful winner of the fight overall. A very technical fight. I love, that's that's what I love watching as well. Round one, really close, really tight, really technical. Round two, they opened up a little bit more. And it was round three uh, that Bunton kind of really took control. And, and it was an excellent performance. And I'm looking forward to seeing her fight again. Very good, very good. We leave Rug Rug for last um, <laughs> because we'll, I'm sure we'll have a bit of a chat about that. The Lena Quinn Zamboana fight was, to me, a very interesting fight. I've watched it quite now a good few times. And you know what? She fought so differently in this fight than what she normally fights. She's usually a straight up fundamental fighter. And she was very aggressive in this fight. And, you know, at times it worked for her, but at times, like, it was very much playing into Zamboana's game. I think she struggled to kind of. She struggled to settle in the fight. It was a lot of panic as well. And do you know what? I, I noticed that a few times in this card. And I know I don't know if you noticed too. I think it was maybe fighting in front of a crowd. A lot of these people haven't probably fought in front of a big crowd in a lot. And the Filipino crowd was absolutely fantastic as well. So they, they, love, they, they love their mixed martial arts oh, there in, in the Philippines. I was actually in there. I was lucky enough in 2020 to be not in the arena itself, but in the kind of mall of Asia where the event happened. And fantastic arena, big arena too. But, you know... It, MMA is big in the Philippines. They're Massive, a yeah. fighting nation. You know, we have Manny Pacquiao. We have lots of good boxers coming out of there too. And we've seen in recent years now, and especially in one championships, that they have some good solid fighters coming through in the Philippines. And um, I think, you know, Benice uh, Zambonega is a, is another good one there as well. Linda Quinn, I feel um, she let herself down with her head movement here. You know, she just kept all fight getting hit with that big overhand right. She was getting her ta- jab getting time. She was closing the distance, but just walking onto those big right hands. And you could see the the damage on her face as the fight was progressing. Um, it was a pretty wild fight, a very entertaining fight. fight. Very I mean, good fight, a, yeah. a, a great fight to get us kicked off on the card. Maybe if you wanted to take us through it. Uh, I, I really enjoyed this one now overall. Yeah, it was, like it was what I was considered aggressive in the first round from both of them, but especially from well, not especially from McQueen, but I suppose especially from McQueen because it was very different from what she normally does. She tried to settle in the second, but you, as you said, that right hand from Zamboana just kept landing and she couldn't settle. And then in the third, I, I kind of think she just went, look. Why bother trying to settle and just kind of win for it as well? It was a spit decision. I think that I, 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 I found it hard to split him to be honest. Because like, even though Aikwin didn't fight brilliantly in terms of how she probably should fight, I still think she, like, she probably won seventy five percent of the fight. But as we know, MMA scored these days. Even though one championship is different, as you said, that right hand was the most effective weapon from either person on the night, and Zambana probably did deserve to win it. And it was a good performance. And well, even yeah. with Lynn in in round three, she didn't press the action enough. Like you know, she didn't come across as a fighter, in my opinion, who had has was losing the fight. Although round one was very very close, I think round two and round three, the fight was starting to get away from her. Um, and I think she just she was kind of accepting that more so than kind of trying to push the action. Action, but that's easy to say when I'm not taking those big right bombs. That whenever she did move forward and tried to press the action, that 
you know, she was getting eaten those big shots. With, I, I don't with, even know if pressing the action was the right thing for her to do. Like, I think when she even did that, not. I think like, uh, but it's it's so hard. It's easy for us to say sitting here, but like, if she could have kept her at the end of the jab, I I genuinely do think she kind of the crowds got took her away a little bit and just. To kind of maybe even transition into the Rogue Rogue fight, I think there might have been a little bit of that in it too, but in the opposite, I think maybe like his corner, even himself, had like saying, Settle now, don't listen to the crowd, don't get taken away in it. And it ended up being a lot of jabbing and a lot of clinching. And uh, I was actually, I was at a wedding over the weekend, and I was, uh, someone tweeted me, Are You watching Rogue Rogue? And I was like, Oh, just coming on. I got up on my phone and I was watching it. And you usually like, Oh, I'd be going wild in a Rogue Rogue fight. And there wasn't much to get wild in this one, like, not, not no. massively happened. Well, I run a through the fight there in the, the Rogue Rogue fight it was look another solid performance from Rogue Rogue but not the Rogue Rogue of old I suppose no I'm sorry and I don't mean to be I love Rogue Rogue but I don't mean to be too negative but this was a very low quality fight to it be was, honest yeah. from both guys um, I think Rogue Rogue had the advantage in the grappling department he figured that out early but you know John Mitchell, Irish John Mitchell in his corner has done some work with Rug Rug on the feet. Obviously, he, he has that grappling background, if you want to call it a background. Uh, so he is working on his striking, but he was throwing lazy leg kicks. He didn't look comfortable in round two and round three on the feet. Uh, was happy. I thought Herb Dean did him a lot of favors by not standing this fight up where it could have been stood up a hell of a lot of times where there was minimal action on the ground. Look at when he did call for action, Rug Rug did get busy, landed some big shots at the end of round one. Um, you know, round two was pretty much the same, kind of lured uh, Muslim McCain off. Uh, I got to butcher that name. for that one. That, <laughs> that's a mouthful on a Sunday morning here in Canada. But um, I think, um, you know, Rug Rug knew where he had the advantage. He utilized it, but the takedown defense for Muzzer uh, Hagmadoff was absolutely we, dreadful. We, we go with Joshua. <laughs> yeah, Joshua. <laughs> Joshua was uh, was absolutely dreadful here. Like, I mean, you know that Rug Rug is going to want to take you down. Uh, a simple overhook and falling down on your back is not the defense you want. You want to be sprawling down. You want to be pushing his head down. Um, look at. I, I'm all for big for Rug Rug, but like you said, the hype has kind of died down a little bit. And I don't know whether it's the, is it because the realization is slowly coming to fruition that, you know, he needs a lot of work. He, he, he's probably not going to be a superstar strike kind of a fighter I, I think he's getting to work you can still put him in fun fights I, I think he's getting to work like we have to do you know okay Rug Rug started and he was raw uh, you know as a piece of steak you know and he, it, there's no doubt about it that he is getting that work in as you said he's training now out in Dubai he's training with John Mitchell there, people are putting work into him and that's going to take time like you can't do that overnight do you have like the, this unbelievable raw athlete with the strength of 10 bulls and the wrestling ability of, of some of the best in the world. He's brilliant. Like, if the striker can improve, you know, his cardio was an issue in the last two fights ago where he got hit. He didn't, you know, he didn't like it that it's much. A slight That's issue in, this fight too. A little bit of an issue that. But yeah. he did tire out. He did get hit. But he didn't give up this time. He did, kept going. He was still there in the third round and he won the decision. So, look, the improvements... 
when you look, you're trying to take a guy and you're truly trying to mould him. And it, you know, I compared a little bit, and this is a weird comparison. But Aaron Pico, he was just wild, and he was, everything was out there, and you had to kind of draw him back, and you had to make him like a wrestler for five or six fights before you can put the wrestling and the striking, the jiu-jitsu all together, and then unleash him as this, you know, great fighter again, which you you would say he probably is now, or would be looking to to be going forward. And Rogue Rogue, is, it's going to be the same. This is not going to be a two, three, four fight thing. I think it's probably going to be a, a six, seven, eight, nine, ten fight type of a, a thing. And it maybe it won't work. And I'm not saying it will or anything, but I hope it does because he's great fun. And, you know, he's, there is a mystique about him. But, yeah, it certainly wasn't yeah, there. Yeah, he's got plenty uh, of time to do it. Look, he's only 30 years of age. And look, yeah. I, I knew and I was like, I had a conversation myself. Do I want to bring it down that road? But honestly, that's what I felt watching the fight where it was like, Jeez, he needs a little bit of work. But what you said, if we put him in the right matches and we give him the time to grow, well, something might be able to happen then. But I'd be very worried of him going in there against a good striker that has good takedown defense at this stage. Yeah. So hopefully that hopefully one championships will, match yeah. him. Yeah, 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 I think I they think should match him. And I think they will match him accordingly as well. But he's a fun guy, man. I'm on I'm on the rug rug train. You know, I ha- I I, I kind of wanted to say that about him. I feel bad. I feel I feel bad after saying that it wasn't great. But you know, it is what it is. And uh, I'll be tuning in to watch Rug Rug's next fight and all of his fights as well because he, he's a legend. He's a he's a specimen and he's a great story. I need I need a Rug Rug picture for behind me on the wall here. That's what I need. Any Rug Rug pictures out there? Let me know. Right, we will really capped off there. a fantastic weekend for Senegal sports as well. Oh uh, Jesus. Did it? Are he's Senegalese? He's Senegalese. Is, isn't Sen- he? Aren't Senegal playing? Are Senegal who are, are Senegal not playing England? No. Oh God, yeah, man. they're gone. Oh, yeah. But they'll be true. That's by not the, today, though. Is it? It'll be by the time this video is out, we'll know. So maybe it's a fantastic weekend. Maybe it's a brilliant <laughs> weekend then for Senegal. Or else it's kind of a bad one. But we, we'll uh, we'll see. The, the Sadio Mane of, uh, of MMA Rug Rug is very uh, good. <laughs> maybe they might be able to get Rug Rug in as a. a they'll, they'll be needing Jesus. a backer is going to be suspended. They could get Rug Rug in up front. Get him on the end of a high ball. He'd be a good centre back. I wouldn't like to go for a header against, <laughs> against Rug Rug. I wouldn't like to be going off shoulder to shoulder with that. God, no, God, no. Right, we will leave it there. Ian, thank you very much for joining me. Follow him at Ioneal MMA over on Twitter. Listen to the Old Triangle Irish MMA podcast and all his stuff over on uh, Severe MMA. And uh, yeah, thank you, uh, Ian. Thank you to everybody for listening. Uh, I'm Sean Sheehan for The Sheehan Show on Sherdog.com and we'll see you all next time.